So many religions everywhere say send me your money and you'll have wealth beyond compare. Others say a prayer call is all that you'll need. You can have all that, I'll just take Jesus, he's sufficient for me. Time. 
makes a difference. Rochester this morning, Brother Harold got put in the hospital. He's got cellulitis. I really don't know what that is, but he's got a hospitalized. I may pray for Brother Harold Rochester. He, for many years, they sung across the country, still do, and uh, blessing churches. And I praise, praise God for the good. Are you glad you're here tonight? Well, it's hot as fire out there. Take your Bibles and turn. I think I'm going to the right place tonight. There's not a wrong text, but turn to Hebrews. Chapter 11, and uh, I'm not going to stay here all night long. Is that the only one y'all got now, Tim? And he's a year old. He's a monster, ain't he? And uh, he's glad to be here, praise God. <clears throat> you find here in chapter 11, very familiar, y'all all know about the, the hall of faith. These are characters of the Old Testament who exemplified uh, extraordinary faith. They did uh, things that uh, the normal child of God, normal believer will never accomplish. I mean, great and mighty things God used them to do. And uh, if you read each one, there's kind of a biographical sketch of their lives, the highlight of their faith. Uh, if you were to uh, maybe put some kind of a poster together and you're going to advertise a meeting and you're going to talk about Enoch, well, guess what you'd say about what God the Holy Ghost described him as. Uh, I mean, and then he just went ahead and said, without faith it's impossible to please God. And here the Holy Ghost mentioned Abel, uh, the very first contender of the faith. And it's always been, are y'all listening to me say hallelujah? It's always been a battle between righteousness and unrighteousness. Uh, false doctrine versus truth. And Cain's sacrifice was unacceptable to God. He could have got right with God and went the right way, but he chose to let his pride and let uh, his decisions override the right choice. And uh, he was uh, punished for it, no doubt. God put a mark on him just to keep him alive. And Abel was the one who offered the more excellent sacrifice. You read on down through there, Noah, 
approximately 120 years in that Andalusian age worked on an ark. Can you imagine? I mean, everybody mocking you and laughing at you. And uh, the Bible tells us, but man, he became an heir of righteousness by his faith. And on and on and on we come through this story, uh, account after an account of these great Old Testament patriarchs. But we finally come to verse 20, 22. Are you there? And the Bible says, by faith, Joseph, when he died, made mention of the departing of the children of Israel. And he gave commandment concerning his bones. Our Heavenly Father, I need your touch tonight. And I thank you for the crowd that has returned on this Sunday night. And I pray they wouldn't have wasted their time. I, I pray you'd reward them for their diligence. And in this hour of uh, forgetfulness, we're living in an hour, I believe the spirit of forgetfulness and has, has crept into humanity. Help us to recall truth. And then help us to gain hope on application of this Old Testament text, Old Testament character in this New Testament uh, text. Help us to make application for everyday life and to leave the walls of Gethsemane Baptist Meeting House with a determination to make a difference in the generation you've placed us. Help us now. And Lord, we prayed it this morning, and we'll pray it again. If there's any amongst us tonight who's unsaved and unsure of their eternal destination, let tonight be the last night they're lost. And I ask you for old-time Holy Ghost conviction to reveal to them the brevity of life, the awfulness of hell, and the sweetness of heaven. And we'll glorify you for the results that we see. And Lord, I praise you for this place. And I pray a hedge of protection around this place, the families that make up this congregation, the pastor and his family. And I, I pray you'd give Brother Derek health and length of days and sound mind. And Lord, just protect his children, protect his wife. And Lord, I pray in the days that lie ahead uh, that we would hear of bigger and better things uh, for your glory and for your honor. I'm, 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 I'm privileged and I'm honored just to be identified with this place. And I thank you for it. Now help me to preach for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now here's Joseph, and you understand he's one of the most Christ-like characters of the Bible. If you study him out, the latter chapters of Genesis are designated, some 13 long chapters are designated to the life of this one man. He's a Christ-like type. He's a picture of Christ in so many ways. And I could begin to list them. I think uh, Adrian Rogers said over 130 types, maybe more than that. Your pastor's probably done some in-depth study on him. But there's no doubt about it that he was one of God's chosen heroes. Of all the Old Testament characters, the Holy Ghost, God the Father, Jesus, they decided when it comes time to write Hebrews, I'm going to put Joseph in there. And all that is designated about him with all the accomplishments, so you understand, 13 long chapters. Everybody say 13 chapters. That's a long time to write about one character. And 13 long, detailed chapters of his life from his birth all the way to his death and to the exodus uh, over there of his bones from Egypt's land is designated about one thing concerning his bones. Do you all see that? He gave commandment concerning his bones. Now, they could have said he was a man of integrity because he was. And that would have been an accurate description. When Potiphar's wife lied on him, amen, he just kept on standing, kept on doing right. He had all the temptations anybody else would have at a 17-year-old boy. But he did right anyway. Praise God for Joseph's example. His testimony. There's a lot of things that he could have been. I mean, man, no matter what condition, no matter what circumstances you found Joseph in, he always made the best of a bad situation. I mean, man, in a pit, 
uh, at Potiphar's house in a prison. Uh, I mean, man, he always, I'm talking about represented God well. Uh, praise God of all the account given in those 13 chapters. Now, I know he was an inheritor of the sin nature, but there's not a record of his sin one time. You don't find one place that was recorded where he sinned. Now, I know that he was a human, and I know that he was a sinner like we all are, but that was not by accident that the Holy Ghost omitted that because he said, this is a good man. This is the kind of example we want to follow. Is everybody here? He's the right kind. And he was so concerned that he wanted the world to know. He wanted the, his offspring. He wanted his grandchildren and great-grandchildren to know. And he gave orders to the children of Israel. said, now, he hadn't visited y'all yet, but sometime soon, God's going to bring an exodus. And you're going to be following Moses. He didn't know who Moses was yet. He didn't know all the, the details. But he said, God's going to keep his promise. And we're coming out of this land. And when y'all do, I don't want it to be any kind of question about who I am. I'm not an Egyptian. I'm, I'm not one of this crowd. I'm not, I, 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 my daddy was Jacob, praise God. And, and I'm not from this world. I'm not in the, and when y'all leave, whatever y'all do, don't leave my bones down in here. Go down yonder to my grave and dig up my casket. And if you study Aaron, when he left, he left with a box on his shoulder. That hope chest, that promise of eternity. And he took the bones of Joseph with him. Now, is everybody still here? I mean, that's the description. He was so concerned with his legacy that he did not want it to be marred or intertwined with the world. He wanted to be separated even at the point of excavating his bones and taking them out and leaving Egypt. Boy, I like that. In the South, we're, we're bad about sayings, cliches. And some of them, my papa's taught me I can't tell in church. Somebody say amen. But I mean, like today, I, I would say it's hotter than the devil's armpit. Somebody say amen. Amen. He's mean as a junkyard dog. I had some friends that were rough growing up in high school, and, and they pulled up to one of the stores there in Rutherford County, and there was a boy doing what he shouldn't be doing against the wall. But he said back at the back part, he'd been drinking a little bit too much, and he's standing over against that wall. He should have went inside to do it. And everybody's okay. And so one of my bully buddies got out and said, Hey, boy, we don't do that around here. There's a place for that. And about the time he did, three other boys came from back behind that building. And all four of them jumped on my buddy. And I mean, beat the stew out of him. Amen. And uh, when he got back in the car, one of our friends said, looks like your alligator mouth overloaded your lizard tail this time, didn't it, praise God? <laughs> Y'all heard them. Y'all heard cliches. You've heard them say, well, he's eat up with it. That means he's consumed with it. Well, here, I believe we could title this verse 22, Oh, Joseph had faith to the bone. It's deep. We're living in a shallow Christianity today. I mean, I, I'm, I, I, not that I've apprehended, Preacher Derek, not that I've attained, but, but I've been around a lot of them, and I've been around for a little while, and I've never seen such an anemic, wishy-washy. I mean, really, you can't hardly identify saved people anymore. They're so world, the world's getting so churchy, and the church is getting so worldly. And, and we're missing that deep down, heartfelt, I mean faith to the bone. How deep is it in you? 
How long can you stay when everything's going good, when there's no adversity, when there's no obstacle? Man, everybody can sing then and smile and shout, but what about when you're in the valley? How, how deep's your faith then? How, I mean, how, how deep-rooted are you oh, when disappointment comes and heartaches come? And let me tell you something, nobody in this room, from the pulpit speaker tonight to the black pew, nobody on side to side is exempt from getting your heart crushed. What you going to do when things don't work out the way you thought they would work out? Oh, Joseph had some dreams. The origin of his dreams was God. He was not egotistical. He was not trying full of pride to say, now, what's going to happen, Daddy, is your star is going to bow to mine and your sheaves are going to bow to my sheep because I'm superior to you. He probably didn't even understand what all that meant. But he knew he had a dream and God had a purpose for his life. And he wanted to do something for God. And man, it wasn't easy. Can I tell you that serving God has never been easy? If it was easy, everybody would be doing it. They'd be doing it all the time. He had it to the bone. What put it so deep in him? There's some things about me that, that I have that have been given me. And I mean, you'll just have to blame my fathers and my grandfathers. That's put in me. I mean, I'm a southerner. Don't get nervous. Amen. I, I mean, if you want to be somewhere else, you got a car, go somewhere else. Praise God. If you don't love it, leave it. Amen. But I mean, man, I'm a, it's put in me. I mean, I can't stand to hear a Yankee talk. Their accent annoys me. I go up north to eat, and dear God, their food. Somebody help me. I mean, casseroles. You know what a casserole is? That looks like somebody's done eat it and spit it back in the plate and put cheese on top of it. I can't stand a bunch of casserole. I like two meats, cornbread and biscuit, several vegetables. Amen, seasoned with pork. I need help, praise God. That's in me. You're not going to get that out of me. You know why it's in me? Because it was put in me. What we've done, we've allowed our, our generation that's following us to just take it or leave it. I didn't have a lot of choices. Amen. There's some honor, there's some respect to this nation. I, I, can, I, I could not imagine being around my daddy and the national anthem being played me with a baseball cap on. My, my, well, too long ago, we had a friend day and our insurance agent, Brother Ken Halliburton, came and he heard me preach, and he said, I need to speak with you after the service sometime soon. He said, uh, you're going to have to take out a little more insurance. <laughs> they got a million dollars worth of insurance on me just in case, you know, I hurt somebody's feelings. Uh, and I, I mean, if I go to the ball game, one of these hippie boys or one of these Generation X sissies got their hat on, look at me. I don't care if it's your grandboy, sissy grandboy. I'm going to knock his hat off his head. I got $3 million now to coverage. Everybody okay? <laughs> they upped it for $2 million. Hey, I'm talking about, friend, I can't stand that stuff. You honor our flag. That kneeling for the flag, bunch of NFL, a bunch of thugs. Makes me want to vomit, upchuck, hurl, toss my cookies. Amen. It's sickening. Hey, man. I'm an American. I'm a Southerner. An unapologetic, proud of it. That's been put in me. That's been instilled in me. How could this, this, this record, this, this eternal record in God's word designate these words about a man? I mean, it was so deep. He said, whatever you do, don't leave my bones down here in Egypt's land. Real quickly, I believe his mentors had something to do with it. His mentors. 
there were some men, there were some figures, there were some leaders, there were some forefathers in his life. There's an Abraham, an Isaac, a Jacob. There's some, there's some history that, that made a difference in his life. Now look at me, all of you might not have been raised in a Christian home, but you found this church some way or another. And if you don't have Christian grandparents and great-grandparents and a mom and a daddy that love God, you got a pastor that loves God, you got some deacons in here that love God, and you got some family, you got a Sunday school teacher that loves God. Amen. You got a church family in here that loves God. And man, we ought to allow men, the right kind of men, to, to make a difference in our life, to leave their mark on us. Amen. Leave their mark on us. Here was a, a man who no doubt he had heard of the faith of his forefathers and their consistency. You know, consistency, I believe, is one of the greatest attributes, one of the greatest characteristics of a, of a sound faith. Amen. Jesus Christ was immutable. Bible said Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today. Malachi 3, 6 said, I'm the Lord and I change not. I honestly believe, watch me, that inconsistency is the biggest eyesore in our circles today. Well, I used to believe, the, I used to shout, oh, if it ever was good, it still is good. We used to have Sunday night service. We used to have prayer meeting. What's wrong with it now? We surely hadn't got any more spiritual. Amen. Hey, sin hadn't gotten any more diluted. It's gotten more empowered in this hour. Amen. I mean, we still got Madonna singing, Daddy, don't preach. Somebody help me now. Are y'all all right? What a world we're living in. And what, what, what inconsistency. I tell you what inconsistency does. It aids that crowd that's distancing themselves from truth. You know what you ought to do? You ought to do the same thing on purpose every day. Daniel purposed in his heart. He, he didn't feel good about being exiled from his homeland. He didn't feel good that as soon as he got over yonder in Babylon that they altered him physically, became a eunuch. He didn't feel good that they'd stole his future. They'd stole his desire. But God had a purpose for him. And in spite of it all, praise God, hey, he prayed three times a day. Amen. I, I mean, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, when the announcement was made, the decree was given, nobody's going to bow except they bow to the king. They started that contemporary music. They said, we ain't bowing. That ain't our kind. Our kind starts off like this. Dun, 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 dun. They said, we'll bow on that. Somebody help me. We'll be allegiant to that. Hey, listen to me, friend, consistency. I'm thanking God today that I've had some men in my life, many of them that I never met physically, and I had opportunity to meet a lot of good men physically, but men that I've read after that stayed, I'm talking about they stayed, the, they towed the mark, uh, and they stayed where they ought to stay, come hell or high water, hey, liked or hated, they even burned at the stake. We've had forefathers who were burned at the stake because they would not change. They would not compromise. They would not cave in. Hey, to the pressures of society, if we ever going to drive it deep in these young people's bones, if it's going to get in you, it'll take some mentors who consistent. It'll take some mentors who were contagious. Amen. If you listen to me preach, you're hearing several men preach. You're hearing several. I'm a spiritual schizophrenic up here. I've got multiple personalities. I mean, I'll have a Tom Malone personality. 
I'll have a Sammy Allen personality. I'll have a Curtis Hudson personality. I'll have a Mays Jackson personality. B.R. Lakin personality. Is everybody Oliver B. Green personality? Why? Because they made a difference in me. I listened to them. I submitted to them. I'm talking about I didn't try to change them. I let them change me. I let them mold me. I let them put me uh, in, into, into the confirmation they desired. <laughs> hey, look at me, young people. You don't need some own identity. You ought to be marked by this place. You ought to have a brand on you, Gethsemane Baptist Church. You ought to have a Derek Collins stamp on you. Amen. And wear it, wear it like a badge. Wear it proudly. Thank God somebody cares enough to stand up Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, tell the truth, whether it costs him or whether it builds a crowd. He said, I'm going to preach. Thank God for that kind of influence in our life. I want it to the bone, friend. You get it to the bone when you allow the mentors to have an influence. They're contagious. Just things they do. I mean, I can't be everybody I was around, but I sure want to be like them. Oh, Carl Hatch. Y'all have heard me talk. He's the greatest soul winner it's ever been. And I don't know if everybody that he witnessed to got saved, but listen, if only half of them got saved, he's reaching more than most of us. Carl Hatch was contagious. You get around him, he'd do crazy things, man. I picked him up one day at, the, at his motel room and we walked out there on, in, the, in the lobby and we stepped out onto the curb and, and he said, do what I do. And I'm going, oh, no. <laughs> do what I do. And he said, look at there. And I, people's all standing around. I said, he said, do what I do. Look at there. I said, look at there. <laughs> he said, my, look over there. I said, hmm, look over there. He said, I wished you would look right there. Do what I do. I said, well, I, I, I wished you'd look right there. One fellow was still standing around. I said, what in the blank y'all looking at up there? <laughs> Old Carl said, that's heaven. God made all that. He said, do you know God? You say, I couldn't do that. Well, it makes me want to try. It makes me want to try. We, was, he, we went, got, got, was walking through the airport, and he's dropping tracks all over the ground. And I'm thinking, man, I'm picking them up behind him. And, and he said, what are you doing? I said, man, I'm picking up these tracks. He said, I'm planting seed. Let it alone. Let them alone. And they ain't going to have a crop that's put some seed in the ground. Man, he's dropping him tracks. And, and finally, we stopped there, and we're standing in line to get on the plane. And he looked down, he picked one of them up. And it said, how to go to heaven from Murfreesboro, Tennessee. And he looked over there just a total stranger and said, what about this? You know anything about it? And they said, well, what, what does it say? He said, how to go to heaven. I want to go, don't you? And I'm going, man, we're going to get arrested. <laughs> he's reading that tree, he said, he said, can you help me with this? Are you safe? He never said saved. It was safe. Are you safe? And she said, well, well, I've been saved. He said, well, show me something about this. And she said, well, let me see it. I'm, I'm to where he opened up. It says, you must realize you're a sinner. He said, I can't hear you. Now, he's lying like a dog. <laughs> he could hear. He said, say it louder. He wanted everybody in that room to hear it. He said, well, it, she said, it says here that that we have to realize that you're a sinner. He said, hmm, I know I am. What about you? She said, well, I, I, I guess I am. She, he said, read that verse. 
Well, Romans 3.23 said, for all sin. by the time we got the he witnessed everybody in that airport. <laughs> Amen. I'm t- I can't be like that, but it makes me want to be like that. You know what you are? You say, well, I, I'm not influencing. You'll be amazed who, whose life that you have an influence on. We got to put it in them. Man, we put it in our mentor. I, can I tell another Carl Hatcher, too? He blessed my soul. I remember, I'll never forget one night. I always try to feed preachers when they're preaching our meetings at good places, but he wanted to go to McDonald's. And I said, Brother Hatch, I'll take you to get a steak up here at Demas's. He said, no, I'm craving a Big Mac, eh, man? And I said, okay, we'll go. so we go to McDonald's. There's nobody in there but the, but the one at the counter. It's just about to close, and the manager, and we got through the door just before they locked the door. And, man, they locked the door behind us, and he gets up in there, and he said, hey. And I said, what? He said, And the girl standing there, and I said, he wants me to ask you, if you died today, do you know for sure you go to heaven? And she said, well, no, I've been thinking about it. And he said, mm, no. And I said, well, he wants me to tell you that 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ died on the cross, and he was buried and he rose again the third day to say to give us eternal life. And she said, I've heard a lot about that. And she said, man, I'm interested. And he said. He said, he wants me to tell you Romans 3.23. Help me, y'all. And by the time I got through, she's weeping. I'm sitting over there and the whole time he. I'm like, man, what's wrong? He's crazy. Finally, she gets what I, I said. What he wants to do is ask you, would you in repentance and faith right now call on God and ask God to save your soul? She said, I've been wanting to do that. Man, we're right there by that time. The manager comes walking. I knew the manager. He was a, he was a, a shouting Methodist, one of them free Methodists, believed in sinless perfection. But he's old time. And he come in there and he had his arm around that, that girl at the, at, the, at, the, at the cash register. And I mean, we're just four people in there and she's squalling and he's squalling and, and Hatch is squalling. I'm about to have a spell. Somebody say amen. And he said, ask her to pray. He said, I said, he wants you to pray this prayer. And I said, dear Heavenly Father, dear, I know I'm a sinner. I'm knowing, and right now, right now, the best way I know how, the best way, I'm trusting you, I'm trusting you. Lord, take me to heaven one night. And I went through a prayer. And she prayed, called on God, weeping. When she got through, old Carl said, isn't that wonderful? <laughs> Amen tonight, praise God. Now, if I'd have done that, that woman would have pulled a gun on me probably. If not a gun, at least a switchblade. Somebody say amen. You know what that makes me want to do? The same thing's making you want to do right now. It makes you want to witness to somebody. It makes us want to be bold. It makes us want to do some more. I'm telling you, hey, we got to get it deep. We had not got much faith. It's shallow. He had it to the bone because of the mentor. He had it to the bone. I believe not only the mentors affected the depth of his faith, but I believe the mishaps of life. It's in those difficult times where faith's built. It's not on those mountaintops, it's in those valleys. You understand he was mistreated by his brethren. Sold to Midianite merchant men, thrown down in a pit. They wanted to kill him. If one of them brothers hadn't stepped up, his other brothers would have killed old Joseph. I mean, man, he was misunderstood by his parents. He was misrepresented by Potiphar's wife. She lied on him. 
Hell knows no fury. Old Clarence McCartney said, hell knows no fury like a woman scorned. And when old Joseph wouldn't sleep with that old hussy, she'd been watching too much soap opera. Somebody say, man, staying too long on Facebook. I need help, praise God. Hey, and when, when, when he wouldn't sleep with her, oh, she started screaming, rape. Lie with me, Joseph. Man, he left out of there. Praise God. He left his vesture, but he didn't leave his virginity with her. What integrity. It would have been easy for most of us to cave in about right there. Well, I've been exiled. I've been, I've been sold out by my brothers. I, my family hates me. Nobody cares about me. Hey, everybody else is doing it. Why can't I have a wait a minute? Praise God. Hey, he stood on because the mishaps of his life built some character in his life. It put it deep. Don't you, don't you, listen to me, please. Don't discard those difficulties of your life. Peter said, after you've suffered a while, he'll establish you, strengthen you, and settle you. Those times of suffering are times of shaping. They're times of strengthening. Now, you've heard it said, but it is true. Whatever don't kill you just makes you stronger. And when we go through hardships and trials, uh, it builds our faith. The trying of your faith work is patience. It's a developer. It's a seasoner. Amen. I, I'm talking about it. It'll mature you. And I believe we're lacking deep faith because everybody gets bailed out of trouble now. I mean, General Motors. It's Obama Motors. Somebody help me now. Amen. Everybody. I mean, no matter what, what it comes on, everybody's got a way out. A quick fix. Listen, sometimes, man, we need to just trust God and allow God to work through, and I mean work in and work out situations of our life. It'll sure help you down the road. You can look back over your shoulder and say, man, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. I no doubt believe when David was writing that through divine inspiration, uh, the Holy Ghost illuminated that big old nine-foot giant. That valley of Elah was a valley of death. Surely death was coming to a little teenage boy with five smooth stones and a slingshot. And here's a warrior, the champion of the Philistines. Hey, but he said, hey, thou art with me. Hallelujah. Thy rod and thy staff, they don't hurt me. They comfort me. The rod of God's word, the staff of God's truth. It's not something to harm you. It's there to help you. Hallelujah. Hard preaching ain't going to do nothing but help you. Sound doctrine ain't going to do nothing but stabilize you. Amen. I'm telling you, friend, those mishaps of life. Those times when you thought it was all going to go a certain way, but it didn't. Don't you know the Lord hath his way in the whirlwind? I'm tired of blaming the devil for all the hardships. The Bible said God hath his way in the whirlwind and the clouds are the dust of his feet. Don't give the devil credit for everything that happens. Sometimes it's God Almighty who allows the adversity of your life to point you in the right direction. Storms sometimes are storms that detect. Storms of life direct. Storms of life. I mean, I'm telling you, storms of life develop us into what we ought to be. Old Joseph, I believe, was the man he was because of the mistreatment, because of the mishaps he experienced. Now, that's all introduction. Can you all handle the last point? Here we go. Faith to the bone. How are we going to get it deep? How are we going to make it last? How are, we going to, how are we going to put it in this next generation? It'll take some mentors. It'll take some mishaps. They're going to have to learn to live on their own. But I'm telling you, thank God for the manifestations, the miracles, if you will. God shows up. And he proves himself. 
Some of us won't stay in the fire long enough for the fourth man to show up. Some of us won't stay in the lion's den long enough. I mean, we give up throwing the towel and cop out before, before we ever get a chance to see God exercise his power. Manifested power. I, I, I still believe God hears and answers prayer. Now, I believe in rightly dividing the word of truth, and your pastor's way ahead of me on all that stuff. But I still believe God can heal sick people. Y'all don't have to pray for them if you don't want to, but if you come to our church, we do. Amen. If y'all want yours to die with cancer, just go ahead. We're going to try to pray for an extension on days. Amen. Don't, don't get nervous. I was preaching before I come, and you better believe I'll be preaching when I leave. Amen. I'm talking about we still believe God can do great and mighty things. Jeremiah 33.3 may not be written directly to me, but it's written for me. Call upon me and I will answer thee and show thee great, great and mighty things which thou knowest not. I, I love to see God do something when a doctor fails. I love to see God do something when a banker fails. I love to see God do something when all other circumstances and all other options are dead-end roads. And all of a sudden, uh, from, from, from the realms of heaven, God steps in the scene and says, Hey, I can fix this problem. I can fix this problem. The power. The presence. I, I'm not going to tell you that I've sensed God more than you, but I sensed him pretty good this morning. There was a tangible manifestation. Paul said when he preached, Paul said, I didn't preach with words of wisdom, enticing words of men's wisdom. He said, I preached with the power, the unction. He wanted God. You know what? You can feel God, ma'am, washing dishes. Well, I mean, not washing and putting them in the dishwasher. Somebody say amen. <laughs> Y'all ain't washed a dish since Moby Dick was a menace. Somebody say amen. You can feel God in the living room. You feel God, right? I've been riding down the road in the midnight hour and the devil show up and start tempting me and start pulling me down. Start telling me how it wasn't going to work out. We've been, I guess we've had so many church splits, but I think we've had nine of them. We're in one of them now and I'm enjoying it better than I have all the previous eight. God show up. I remember I got sick. Hadn't been sick very much in my life and I had to have an operation. I was laying in that bed and the devil said, you'll never preach again. I was preaching. I mean, I just thought it was about over with. First meeting I went to, I was a week. I drove through Black Mountain, North Carolina, over the over uh, into the I forty, over into the eastern eastern uh, uh, Tennessee, into western North Carolina. And I mean, middle middle of the night, depression was setting in. And uh, I, man, I thought, man, I, I'm about ready to quit. I know y'all never been like that. I'm just talking about me. I'm about ready to quit, Lord. I'm about ready to throw in a towel. And about that time, old Vestal Goodman come on the radio I mean she come on saying God walks the dark he the highways and byways and she didn't have to go too much further I was weeping like a baby praise God pulled over on the side of the road I was walking around that truck shouting the victory hallelujah you know what God, God, God listen it gets deeper when you allow him to, to manifest himself his provision. Let me, let me, can I illustrate this? We'll, we'll, we'll pull out of here. I was preaching in California about a year ago. One of the larger conferences of Bible-believing people. And while I was there, I was about maybe they're two hours difference from us. And, and it's just a little while before I was to preach. And my wife called me panicking. She said, Daddy, said, I don't understand what's going on out here. But said, there's a, 
surveyor in our backyard driving stakes and said he got the orange tape on the stakes and he's spraying paint on these white oak trees back here in our backyard and said, I don't know what's going on, but we, we, we got problems. And man, I'm thinking, good night of living. I said, well, don't worry about it, baby. You know, you know, I was thinking, thanks for calling me just before I stand for all these people out here going into a panic. And I said, don't worry about it. God will work it out. God will work it out. And I'm thinking, how can he work it out? Man, I, we had everything surveyed. We had it done by the bank. We did everything we were supposed to do when we closed on that house. And, and somehow, some way, we've encroached on this nine acres next to us. My barn's built on that nine acres next to us. Half my driveway's on the nine acres next to us. They're getting ready to sell. By the way, land's selling pretty good right now. Everybody okay? And I'm talking about just a year ago, and, and this, this lady calls me, and she said, Brother Tony, said I'm your neighbor here. I never met my neighbor. I've tried to buy that land for the last 10 years. Never could find the woman. And she said, I'm selling my land, and said, our real estate agent, we've got a survey, and you're, you're on me, and we've got to have that barn moved. It's got to be taken down. And said, that concrete driveway, it's got to be busted up. It's on us, and that's going to really hurt our sale. And I thought, ma'am, I can't do nothing about it right now. I said, I'm in California preaching. She said, well, it's got to be done right away. Man, I'm telling you, I began to pray and ask God what to do. Man, I'd sawed every board in that thing, every popular board in that, in that, in that barn. I sawed it myself. Almost. I drug them out of the woods with a pair of mules. Y'all listening to me? I mean, man, I didn't nail the boards. My son-in-law did that. Somebody say, hey, man, you got to use them for something. I mean, you know, they're on the team, I guess. Man, I didn't know what I was going to do. I couldn't sleep. I know y'all would have trusted the Lord, but I couldn't sleep. I had to tear my barn down, bust my driveway up. They're going to build a house right next to me. Man, I was miserable. Man, I began to seek God. I asked one deacon. I didn't tell anybody, but one deacon. I told one deacon, I said, don't you pray me about this. I don't know what, what's going on, but God's got to help us. I was in Shelbyville getting my tires changed on an old truck, 2004 F-250. And while I was there in the tire shop, my phone rang. It was a real estate agent. He said, is this Brother Tony? I said, yeah. He said, uh, this is so-and-so, and I'm with Bob Parks Realty. He said, can I meet with you today? And I said, well, I'm about 20 minutes from my house. He said, I'll be there in a little bit. I said, if you'll hold on, I'm coming quick as I can get there. And, man, I took off and got back over there. When I got to my house, he got a, a plat on the hood of his truck. And I walked up, and he said, well, we heard about this encroachment. And he said, we got to do something about it. He said, me and my son are going to buy this nine acres. We're going to buy it. And so we see about this encroachment. And said, uh, I, I, my son was in California about a year ago, and he heard you preach. And said, he, he, he said, my grandson was there, and my grandson got under conviction and said they'd never been around preaching. And my son said when he got back, said, there's this preacher, Tony Hudson. He lives over here in our county. Lives, and said, I heard him preach in California and said, I want to do something to help him out. And they heard about that encroachment, and he said, here's what we're going to do. We're going to cut off two acres over on this side. Two acres in Rutherford County right now is about 35000 an acre. That's about $70,000. Is everybody all right? Two acres in a residential area. I'm in a place zoned housing and 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 farm. And, and I'm talking about going to cut off two acres over here. 
And I said, now what do you want me to do? I said, are y'all going to finance it? You want me to run to the bank? Or how are you going? He said, oh, no, no, no. God told my son to give you that two acres of ground. Now y'all can say what you want to. But I left there walking on, I'm probably, praise God, find me a lake, I'm walking on some water. Hey Amen, ain't nothing too hard for God. But you have to experience some of that. It's not enough to live on my story. And that's a good one. It's so good that when I came back, it was just about a two or two weeks later, I don't go in Andrew's office very often, but I walked in Andrew, my son's office, and there's a, a, a survey stake on a wall above a picture, a survey stake. He's got a beautiful office. My girls keep everything nice at the church. And, and man, he got this, this survey stake with the dirt clods on the end of it and a yellow tape hanging off of it. And I said, what you doing with that stake up there? He said, you ain't the only one to get prayers answered, praise God. He said, I'm putting it up here to remind me that God is able. You need a story or two of your own that you can leave to your grandchildren. You need some, some happenings of God that are beyond the norm, uh, that are supernatural, that no man can take credit for. You need something so big that they can only give God the glory. Hey, friend, he's still able. Jesus Christ the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. I'm telling you, how deep is your faith? How deep is it? I'm gonna, I, 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 I suggest it's not deep enough. With the trouble that's facing the church age, apostasy, apathy, with the trouble that faces this age of grace just before we leave out of here, we're going to have to have some deeply ingrained faith. I'm talking about like faith to the bone, to the bone. Let's stand together, and I appreciate you listening. Our Heavenly Father, I pray you'd take this example of Joseph. There's no doubt that you left his escapades and episodes and Lord the events of his life 13 chapters so we could glean from them no doubt we see the hand of God in every turn when the brethren thought it for evil the God meant it for good all through his life we watched your guidance every step he took every decision he made and the consequences always you blessed them and I pray tonight on behalf of these papas and grannies, mamas and daddies, young people, young married couples, single singles. Lord, I pray that we just seek to have a deeper faith. A faith that supersedes, exceeds the norm of Christianity. For without faith it's impossible to please God. But I pray our faith would be beyond just pleasing you. I pray God you could look to us like you did Joseph. You could look to us like you did Job in his adversity. And say I can count on them. Let it be said of the Gethsemane Baptist Church and her people, they're full of faith. To be faithful, it's, it's pretty self-explanatory. It's running over. They got more than enough. Heads are bowed. Nobody's looking. How many tonight have a situation in your life? Maybe it's with a child, a wayward child. Maybe it's with a financial situation. Maybe it's with a physical need. But there's some situations in your life that are bigger than you can fix. Would you slip up your hand? If you could have fixed them, you'd already done it. Maybe a marital problem maybe some kind of vocational situation and if you could have fixed it you already fixed it well i tell you what it's going to take it's going to take some deep faith some faith while they start playing invitation hymn why don't you step out from where you are and come to this altar and say lord i'm going to trust you with this situation it's bigger than what i can do 
is larger than what I can fix. I need faith today. That New Testament account of the man with the possessed son, he said, Lord, I believe, but help thou my unbelief. Will you trust him with that situation? Will you believe in him in that situation? Old Joseph had some faith beyond the norm. 